Chapter Twenty Eight of Women of History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April Gonzalez. Women in History by Anonymous. Chapter Twenty Eight. Anne Boleyn. Mistress Anne Boleyn was a daughter of Sir Thomas Boleyn. She returned from France in 1527, under circumstances which were favourable not only to the acquisition of all elegant accomplishments, but to the strengthening of her understanding, and the improvement of her mind. As early as 1515, she had been sent over to that kingdom to be attendant on the Princess Mary, the wife of Louis XII. On the death of this monarch, and the return of his widow to England, and entered the house of the Queen Claude, in whose palace she remained till she was seventeen. At this time, Margaret, Duchess of Alençon, her sister of Francis, became deeply attached to her, and on the demise of the Queen, she was taken to her family. Here she probably remained till the marriage of the Princess to the King of Navarre. In 1527, an event which, as it took her protectress from Paris, seems to have occasioned her to recall to England, where she immediately became one of the maids of honour to Catherine. It has been the fashion of many writers of the Roman Church to represent Anne Boleyn as having led a singularly profligate life in her early youth, but there appears no ground for so slanderous an attack, or the occasion of a youthful and beautiful female in one of the most corrupted courts of Europe should produce austere or reserved manners was not to be suspected, but no evidence deserving for a moment's credit has been adduced to prove the slightest impurity of life. The tales against her being evidently after carnage of those misguided zealots who, by destroying her reputation, imagined they were performing a service to religion. When she first appeared in court, she was a lovely young woman in her twentieth year. She is described as possessing a rare and admirable beauty, clear and fresh, with a noble presence and most perfect shape. Her personal graces were enhanced by cheerfulness and sweetness of temper, which never forsook her and her education secured to her all those female accomplishments which were fitted to dazzle and delight a court. She danced with uncommon grace, sung sweetly, and by remarkable vivacity and wit of her conversation, retained the admiration of those who had first been only attracted by beauty. On her arrival at court, Anne was welcomed by the homage and adulation with her youth, her loveliness and accomplishments inspired, and there seems some ground for believing that Henry became enamoured almost immediately, but he concealed, it is even said he struggled with, his incipient passion. Dissimulation, however, with his majesty was now at an end. Henry had never been thought to restrain his passions. His past life, though overlegiscent, had all been remarkable for constancy. His love of pleasure, and his frequent opportunities for meeting a beautiful honoured court, exposed him to perpetual temptation, and he at length declared himself with the confidence of a monarch who felt that he had only to make known his predilection, to be accepted as a lover, but in this he was mistaken, for, although compelled to listen to his solicitations, the lady fell upon her knees, and made the following answer, I deem, most noble king, that your majesty speaks his words in mirth to prove me, if not, I beseech your highness earnestly to take this answer in good part, and I speak it through both of my soul. Believe me, I would rather lose my life than give encouragement to your addresses. Henry, however, in the common jargon of the libertine, declared that he would live in hope, when his perseverance in assault drew forth his pretty reply. I understand not 
my the king how you should entertain any such hope your wife i cannot be both in respect of my own unworthiness and also because you have a queen already your mistress be assured i will never be the subsequent history of this unfortunate lady her marriage with henry after the divorce of catherine the false charges brought against her and happy that under the axe the reader will remember along with the legend yet preserved in epping forest in the morning of the day which was to be her last henry went to hunt in that district surrounded by his train and his hounds under spreading oak which is yet shown he listened from time to time with a look of intense anxiety as then the sound of distant gun boomed through the wood it was a preconcerted signal and marked the moment when the execution was completed ah ha it is done said he starting up the business is done uncouple the dogs and let us follow the sport on the succeeding morning he was married to jane seymour End of chapter twenty eight